It's my turn, right? Mike? I'm a, okay. I have to get his permission. You look like a new man. What's that? Oh, where am I? Good morning, everybody. I have missed you. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of people say that. I was like, like a toothache or, you know, no, okay. I don't know why you missed me. You had some great teaching while I was gone. You, you had, I'm telling you, let me say a couple of things. I, I have to pause for a minute and then I want, I want to pray before we look into the word together. But uh, great worship this morning. Thank you, team. Uh, once again, you know how good you guys have it? Not because of me. I'm the toothache. I'm talking about them. Uh, they, they do a good job, and uh, we really appreciate it. Mike, you've been pressing in, doing great. Even though I can't even read. You can't read, but outside of that, uh, all is well. Am I echoing? Am I too loud? Okay. Hopefully it's better now. All right. Let me just say I've missed you. Uh, thanks for... Being here today, thanks for a few weeks. Just before I left, we had our annual meeting, and we voted in a new budget, and that meant our staff got some increases, which we're grateful for. I just want to say thank you for supporting your team, and I want to say thanks on behalf of all of us. I just need to say, people have said, how was your vacation? It's the best vacation I've had in a decade, literally, literally. Um, It was, uh, let's see, what do we name it? We named it the 10-State Tour. 2,610 miles uh, from rest to spiritual renewal to grieving together, and yet God was in all of it, and I'll fill you in a little bit later uh, on some of that, but it was just an amazing time. Those who prayed for me, thank you, because it was just what the doctor ordered. Uh, It really was. So uh, thanks to uh, the team, and thank you. Uh, For those who stood in the gap, I don't think any of them are in the room today. Derek is away celebrating his birthday. He's got this thing for cars. We're going to pray for him to get freed up of that. And um, that was a joke. That that was a joke. Yeah, I have somebody staring at me like, seriously? No, I'm not serious about that. And uh, and then Tim is, I think, serving downstairs. Am I right? He, he He got tied up with something. And uh, so he's out, and he, he filled in, Derek filled in, and then Dr. Ashley isn't here. And I, I'm getting a complex here. I come back, and they all leave. And everyone did a great job. I listened in. I'm, I'm not done with Dr. Ashley yet on a number of fronts, but I'm <laughs> listening to his sermon. I, I'm not done yet, but I was laughing out loud especially listening to you people sing songs by the Righteous Brothers. You know, you've lost that loving feeling. Whoa, whoa, and everybody's chiming in. And, of course, in a church, who else would you listen to but the Righteous Brothers? So the first week, I understand, was kind of strategically planned chaos. I would have. I really would have. I know maybe some people didn't, but here's the, the offshoot is some people got the message and said they want to help us. Yay! All of God's people said. See, I haven't said that on purpose. I've been disciplining myself. For those of you who didn't hear over here, I heard, yes, Pastor John. (laughs) Trying not to be boring, you know. Don't be repetitive. Derek did a great job speaking about our identity in Christ, right? 
uh, that's where we need to learn to park. And it will be continually challenged, by the way, because the enemy loves to say, speaking of music, you know, my favorite way to describe Satan's work is Linda Ronstadt's theme song, You're No Good, You're No Good, Baby, You're No Good, right? And that's what he says to us continually. And I always just take, take the, the low road and say, you're right. Thank God he has transformed me and made me his child and my identity is in him. And, you know, we are, we are good by creation. We are fallen by sin, but we are redeemed and restored and in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And that's the whole point. And then Dr. Ashley, oh my gosh, um, I have never heard what he's heard from God. God doesn't say, really, to me. He usually says something like, boy, are you a jerk, you know? And he said, no, God wouldn't say that. Oh, yeah, he meets us where we are. I, I understand that, you know? Boy, are you off track. Wah. And actually, you know what God really does say to me? It's what we were singing about a minute ago. Is there anyone worthy to open the scroll? I can hardly look at those passages in Revelation where they see the Lamb on the throne, the one who is worthy, the one who is the Lamb who gave his blood to rescue. I can hardly read those without losing it. just can't. So, yes, he is worthy, and uh, what a great few weeks. And I, I feel like you're in such good hands. I was thinking about staying away another, like, six or eight weeks, you know. I see leaders looking at me. Your job will be in jeopardy if you keep this up. All right. I have to take you with us. Oi. Anyway. No, too many, too many in one car. Do you, have you seen my car that I just put 2,600 miles on? It's a tiny little Sonic, and it's a wonderful car, but you're all not going to fit in it. Not at once. I mean, I've seen, I've seen circus clowns, but come on. Wanted to mention, two weeks from now, we're going to be talking about our team going to Kenya. Thank you for everyone who's made contributions and helping this happen. Uh, I want to sound like an advertiser. Keep those cards and letters coming in, folks, uh, only because we want to buffer and ease some of the challenge and expense, because it's, it's an expensive one. It, just being blunt, it really was. And, uh, but it's a good one, and we're going to have a great time, and we'll have a missionary speaker that morning, as you know, and... Uh, our campus minister in Arizona, the Tromlers, and I'll be, uh, well, I'll try to keep it brief, but we want to pray over that team in two weeks, and then that week they get on a plane and we're gone for 10 days uh, in Kenya. And of course, we want to pray for safety, but we want to pray that, that God is glorified and that he, he uses us however he chooses to use us, right? And I'm seeing those heads shaking. And uh, anyone going, if you're in the room, stand up just for a minute so you can see these wonderful people. Uh, and Karen went downstairs. She was here, I know, and so there's more of us. But anyway, we'll make sure everybody knows everyone and uh, pray over them in, a, in two weeks, all right? That's Kenya. And you saw the, the bags back there. We want to fill them up. And uh, if you want to go with us, maybe we can slip into one of the bags. and uh, They'll probably find you, though, in customs on the other side. So, All right, so... With all that in mind, I would like you to join me in prayer. Would you? You are worthy. Lord, 
some of the old Puritans would speak of sweet sovereignty. We want to thank you that you're sovereign and you're good and that you watch out for your children and you minister to them. And this song that we just sang about coming back to the heart of worship speaks to the fact that every one of us who have entered into life in Christ have this relationship that must be nurtured just as a healthy marriage must be nurtured. We've got to connect. We're all attached to the head. Uh, and uh, Lord, we need that, that lively relationship and we need your quickening. We acknowledge you as worthy and as, as I was worshiping this morning and as I've been pondering the, event, the events of the weeks that have gone by, your sovereignty and goodness is manifested. When, uh, when you rescue our, our brother Ben from probably leaving us prematurely, if a providential arrangement of schedule hadn't found out the issue. But, Lord, there's also times that your providence and your goodness result in a different direction, as our dear sister Diana shared a few weeks back. And you're still working and drawing and showing your love and mercy. We don't understand it. Your ways are past finding out. But, Lord, if we cling to you, if we nurture this relationship, if we come back to the heart of worship, i got to believe you're the living God and you can help us. So this morning, if you could give us just a little bit of insight, I would appreciate that, considering the limitations of your servant. I pray for the help of your spirit. I pray for the pushback of the angelic warriors against our adversary, who is... He's got a stake because, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging today, I'm, I'm going on record that I see your spirit stirring among us. I see things happening that your spirit is dropping things into our souls here. And when you start to move, if, if you're going to get your way, you know who comes roaring out of his den. And we ask that you strike him on the head and kick him in the teeth, as, this, as the Psalms language says. Knock the teeth out of the old lion. In the name of Jesus, God, we just need your help. I need your help so often. I want to thank you that your mercies are new every morning and that you're able to uh, sustain us and you're able to renew us. And so in the name of Jesus, help me, help your people, help your kingdom advance in the name that is above every name, the one that we've been worshiping this morning the Lamb upon the throne. In his name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. If you would turn in your Bibles, and uh, what did he call it? The chair Bible. If you would turn in that, if you don't have your own and can't find your way to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3 is our text today. Hebrews chapter 3. And I want to make sure I've said everything about it. Uh, I think I've said everything I need to say except this. We've been in a series, for those of you who are visiting or new or you don't know who I am because you never met me before. My fault. I was gone. We've been in a series in Hebrews called Better Things. Anybody remember that? Okay, so I'm not going to do it today, but in a couple of weeks when I get back from Kenya, you will have forgotten what I look like again. And I will tell you where we've come so far through the book of Hebrews. 
just reviewing my titles and some of the subjects we touched on and why it's called Better Things, because all through Hebrews, right, there's a better covenant. There's better, uh, better blood that's been shed than that of animals and all of that. All through it, there's this word of better over and over again. So we'll review that later. But for now, I want us to just look at this text, if we could, together. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And I would appreciate it if you would leave your Bible open, because I'm going to refer to some more verses right around this text. So I didn't put them on the screen. I'm going to make it hard this morning. You have to read it or have somebody read it to you. And you can listen to me read it, too. That's allowed also. Here it says in verse 7, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not hearken your hearts as when they provoked me as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with his generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Ouch! What an uplifting text. Glad you came today? Well, I am. I'm glad to see you all, by the way. I I really did miss you. Okay? Thank you. Okay. You can talk here. You're allowed. You you can ask questions, say amen, you know. Yeah. Or even, yes, Pastor John, I'll take that. The story. There are problems in the book of Hebrews. Don't have time to unpack it. One of them is going to show up a little this morning. For example, we don't know who the author is. We don't know who the recipients are, except that they're Jewish believers. Although, I think I've gotten a little insight on that. I'll share it another time, because it's not critical. You don't have to think my way about it uh, to be a Christian, thank God, right? Uh, but we, I think there's some insight as to who they might be. And the subject of salvation and eternal security, you may have noticed if you've ever read... Anybody ever heard that word, eternal security? That uh, my expectation is, because of my trust in Christ... I have an eternal home. Uh, That comes up, and sometimes when you read it, it leaves you hanging. Well, what is the answer? And I'm going to purposely leave you hanging. Don't you hate that? But there's warnings throughout the book. And the first one was in chapter 2 when it said, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Anybody recognize that? Anybody recognize that? Okay, got to work with me here. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. And now we come to this one where it says, the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. Wow. So he's using this for warnings to Jewish believers well acquainted with the Hebrew Bible. Remember when we read through the whole Old Testament, the whole Bible? Remember we did that, the daily Bible? It was fun because people would come up to me and say, did you know that they did this? In the Old Testament, did you know that that happened? Yeah, I did. I knew that. I I actually read it. And uh, people were like, and I know it's like, whoa, that's fresh stuff right in your face, right? And um, it actually happened. And this was in the Old Testament. And people were responsive. And my favorite, my favorite feedback is, can you believe those people? Can you believe that they acted like that? Can I tell you my answer? Oh, yeah. I can believe it, because guess what? Anybody connecting the dots here? 
We've repeat, we're, we're, the, we're all in the same boat, friends. They're a visual aid of us, right? Left to ourselves, especially. Oh, it's so funny. I have more fun than a barrel of monkeys, but I don't know. So the first thing I want to talk about is what is the story here that the author of Hebrews is telling? And then I want to go from the story to the sermon. Because in this passage, the author of Hebrews is telling you a story, and then he's preaching a sermon. And that's what's here. So, any true worshipers in the room? Yay. All three of you? No, it was more. Put it's not a test, folks. You know, it's not a test. Hey, you true worshipers, this is part of the sermon, by the way. Don't fall away from the Lord. Do you know how this passage, this passage that um, the author is using, today if you hear his voice, do not harden. The Holy Spirit says this. Where does he say it? Psalm 95. It's one of the Psalms. And the Psalm is recounting some history from the Old Testament. You can probably guess some of the portions out of the Old Testament that it's recounting, right? You can probably guess that. But do you know how the psalm starts? Are you ready? Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. No, 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 not that yet. I'm not there yet. I'm coming there. Sorry, Ryan, I set you up badly on that one. That was my fault, my hero. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. All of God's people said? Somebody was even loud. Shout joyfully to him with psalms. Oh, it's not appropriate to shout in church. Nonsense. Okay. Skip that. I don't have time for that. You know, I'm really tired. I, might, I shouldn't have said that because then my ADD kicks in. You know what I'm saying? I got to stay on track. Listen to this. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods, in whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. That's the opening of this psalm. Dude! (laughs) Exactly. Dude is amen in newspeak. You know what I'm saying? Dude! (laughs) See, my ADD went right to... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> Dust, wind, dude. All we are is dust in the wind, dude. But that time it meant amen. Everything he made is his. He's the king of the universe. Why do you think I always come to this table and say there is a king? Now, Ryan, thank you. The next section, we're not done yet. Come let us worship and bow down. Any of you old enough to remember that chorus? Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker, right? Okay, I won't quit my day job. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, what? Our maker. He didn't just make the heavens and the earth. He made us human beings. We heard about that. For he is our God. Not just all human beings, which he did make, but we, the redeemed, are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. He's our king and our maker. That's the opening. 
all you true worshipers. Can you just hear, if it's David saying this, or one of the psalm writers, he's speaking for God and he goes, we're worshipers of the living God. Oh, oh, be careful. Oh, 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 be careful. Don't get cocky. Oh, now I've got it made. I'm one of the tribe of Israel. I'm so cool. God just thinks I'm the cat's meow. Oh, somebody left a picture of a cat in my office. Is there, is there something hidden in that? It was a black cat with a Darth Vader helmet on his head that said, Pastor John, I am your kitty. Do I have an idea who might have... Where do you people get the idea that I like I'm a Star Wars fan or something? Where do you get these ideas? And, oh, please. And I even, I even, I'm, you know, in light of the successful preaching of the last three weeks, I'm even willing to overlook the sarcasm about little taggies in my book and, and asterisks on the screen. And I want you to know there's no asterisk on today's title. So, there you go, Dennis. So... I was, I was laughing out loud listening to that. Oh, my gosh. How funny. And so after this word about us being who? The true children of God, the followers of Jesus. True worshipers, right? There's this warning. And here's what it says. Today, if you would hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work. Listen to the language of this translation. For 40 years, I loathed that generation. Ow! Another translation of that word would be, I abhorred. And said, there are people who err in their heart. Here's the secret, friends. There are people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not enter my rest. One commentator said, I was disgusted. Any ever felt that way? Oh, come on. Ever had somebody close to you get you disgusted? Sure. It's people we care about that tick us off the most, right? Somebody on the radio, the guy that cut me off, I mean, it makes me a little irritated when you cut me off on the road. You know, I get a little bit of that rage wanting to come up. Anybody? Anybody? Come on, be honest, right? But my point is, it's the people that we're connected to who can hurt us the most deeply, including God being hurt by his people and us being hurt sometimes by one another aboard. Those of you who really know him, stand firm. The message that the Hebrew instructor is giving here, the book of Hebrews, is if you're his real child, don't get cocky. Make sure you stand firm, and I don't want to get into it today. We'll do it another time. But the reason he's writing, and you might remember that little video clip we showed, they're facing persecution for the first time, and he's encouraging them, don't, don't, don't change your mind about Jesus. He's still the better thing. He's the best thing. Don't change your mind. Don't back off. So the scripture tells us that in these accounts in the Old Testament that this is referring to, God, as well as Moses, were displeased what was going on. Let me tell you one. I'm going to put a verse up in a minute. In your bulletin, where it says Exodus 14, there's a mistake, one of those technical mistakes, a typo. It's not verse 1, it's verse 7. 
But the account goes from verse 1 to verse 7, and you're going to recognize it. You're going to recognize it. The children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, remember? Forty years. They go to a certain place. There's no water. Now, where we struggle is we read the book of Exodus, and we go from point A to point B, and we go, oh, look at, look at what God just did. Opens the Red Sea. The enemy comes in. They're gone. Dude, you know, dude, yeah, dude. And there's a pillar of fire. There's a pillar of cloud leading the children. I mean, they're watching this. We're hungry. You know, you're driving. Are we there yet? We're hungry. I heard a preacher one day up at my old church say, you know, our kids get hangry. We are hungry. We don't have anything to eat. Huh? Oh, you got to wait a minute. And God says, all right, all right, right. I'll, I'll send them manna. The food of angels it's referred to. It, it just shows up on the ground. Wow, manna. A couple of years of that, it's like, I hate this. Remember, manna burgers. I'm just tired of manna. Manna soup, manna this. We hate this stuff, okay? Yeah, it's rough. But anyway, this one account that is in 14, they're thirsty. Thirsty. There's no circle K. Can't stop and get anything. They're complaining. Now, have you ever unpacked it a little? If I'm really trusting God, I saw the miracles that God did. How should I go to Moses or to God? What, isn't it obvious? Hey, hey, we know what God can do. We need help. We need help here, okay? Moses, uh, put, in a, put in a word for us. We're really thirsty. It didn't go that way. It was a big fight. In fact, what they said was, God and Moses, you're dirty rats. You dragged us out here in the wilderness to let us die of thirst. You finks. That's how they reacted. And so they strove with God and tested him. This is one of the main thoughts is this passage, but it's not the only one. And here's what it says. Moses named the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they tested the Lord, saying, hey, where is he anyway? What's the matter with him? I mean, I need action now. Where is he? You might notice that uh, sometimes when you get it too fast, it doesn't work out very well. might be better a little stretching and training in the process. But that's what happened. Think, I want you to think about this for just a second. He named the place Massa and Meribah. Meribah, bitterness, the bitter rebellion, the provocation. All of these are the words that could be used. The contention, the strife, and Massa, strife and contention. They tested, no, the second word, Massa, is the, uh, the testing. They tested, they put God to the test. That's what it's saying. And back in those days, you know, uh, you would name a place be according to something that happened. You would name your children according to something that happened, right? Like, um, I love this one. You know, Ebenezer, great, the Lord has helped us. Uh, who, who's uh, Ebenezer? No, Ebenezer Scrooge, right? 
No, I'm not. I got the wrong one. Forget it. My ADD kicked in. They name their kids after events sometimes, and they name places after events. I was pondering that. Imagine. I've been around the country. I've seen all kinds of great churches, places that were built, and I believe to the glory of God, but often they do these dedications. Judson Memorial Chapel. It's named after the pastor that founded it or built it or a missionary or whatever. Moody Church. Anybody ever been there? You probably have. Moody Church, named after a great man. Some, some great work of God. Some church might be named New Life or Renewal Church or something because God moved in with a power and re- renewed something. And so we named the place or a part of the building or the auditorium after it. Imagine if we named our buildings and places after some of the experiences we've had, like Massa and Meribah. <laughs> had a church where um, the pastor's wife, every time there was going to be a church business meeting, would come down with a profound migraine. Because the history there of every business meeting was contention. Imagine having a little plaque, you know, migraine auditorium. Contention chapel. Sinful storage closet. Yeah, we're laughing, right? It's happened all over the place, right? Oh, that would be stupid. Really? Every time you saw that plaque, you'd go, don't go there, girlfriend. (laughs) Remember what they did? Isn't it a reminder? Maybe it's not such a dumb idea. I'm not suggesting anything, okay? I'm just saying... That was driven into the minds of the children of Israel. Don't do this again. Don't do it again. The 40 years of testing, it wasn't just that one event. It was all the stuff they did. Dathan rising up, the complaining about manna, the complaining about water, the spies who refused to go into the land. It was 40 years, and even says that, for 40 years I put up with it. The day of trial was a long day. 40 years worth. The provocation. So that's what he's speaking about. And because of the hardships, yes, there are hardships. We're in the world. I think Dennis Ashley was telling you, you know, there's rhythms in life, right? There's the ups and the downs. It's going to be that way. Is God with us or not? Well, then trust him. Stop whining. I'm talking to me, too. Like once or twice in a decade, I whine. Uh, I also lie on occasion, like right now, Lord Jesus, forgive me. (laughs) Last year it was, I think, my wife, you know, I just realized something, Sherry. I'm a complainer. Don't laugh so much, Kathy. (laughs) And she goes, and and I love when you have a faithful sister in Christ who says, yeah. Thank you for that affirmation. Okay. I took it to heart. I took it to heart. I determined I'm going to stop whining. Because what I'm doing is I'm actually saying God isn't enough. I don't mean you never stumble. I don't mean you never go through times of despair or hardship that you just go, what are you doing here? What's going on? Totally. God loves it when we're real with him. But you need to trust him. You know, I wasn't going to use this, but I, I am now. I changed my mind. I was thinking about, well, let me, just, let me finish a couple of comments. 
because of the hardships, because it was hot in the desert, because there were scorpions. And by the way, and tarantulas are really cool, by the way. But anyway, the, and because of all those difficult, they got mad and bitter and impatient with God. And God says they continually err in their heart and they don't know my ways. Why? Not because they're innocent victims. It was a stubborn refusal. So that brings us to our title, because it says, Do not harden your heart. What is sclerosis? All the medical people in the room, the Greek word is scleruna, scleruno. It's the same exact word, a hardness. Definition, medically, abnormal hardening of body tissue. You've all heard of it. Arterial sclerosis or arthrosclerosis or spinal sclerosis or whatever it might happen to be. It's a hardening that's abnormal. And then we use it as an English word like this, excessive resistance to change. The challenge was to avoid institutional sclerosis. That's a free quote. You can take that home. I'm not charging. You just use it. The challenge was to avoid institutional sclerosis. Friends, churches are sometimes saturated in institutional sclerosis, which is hard. We just don't see how what we're doing might be upside down from what God has in mind. And so the problem here was that they erred in their heart they refuse to know my ways. They're, I'll just say it, the, the language is they're hard-headed. When I was a kid, my, my parents used to say, that guy's a little thick. Anybody remember that? He's a little thick. Uh, the more rude way is to say fat-headed. You know, just too much hardness there, too much hard flesh that's holding back something from breaking through. So that's the word. And so for 40 years, he put up with that. So now the sermon comes. And I didn't answer your question. Did I since? Well, you know, you always do this. I do. Yeah, partly. But what my question was, is now I've got it, Uh, some were, yes. So I think the rest of that answer will come out now in the sermon. All right, The sermon of Hebrews. Moses was faithful. If you look at the verses just before where we started, it, that whole opening of the chapter says, Moses was faithful in his whole household. Jesus, even more so faithful in his whole household, right? He was faithful over us. And it says in verse 6, Christ was faithful as a son over his house, get this, whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope, if we hold on firm until the end. Now, go down to the section after. Verse 12, take care, brethren, that there be not in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. There's his fear. There's what he's encouraging them about. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, that none of you will be what? Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. 
Boy, is sin deceitful. It works the angles, sucks us in. We get deceived by it, you know? And so that's his exhortation. What is the danger? Hardness. You've got to get this picture. The whole congregation of Israel came out of bondage. There's this army of about a million and a half people traipsing through the desert. Can you imagine? And in that, can I say it? In that church, there are believers and... Thank you. There are believers and non-believers, just like every religious community. There's believers and non-believers. And so what happens is sometimes the non-believers rebel. Sometimes believers get sucked in by the deceitfulness of sin, and they go along with the non-believers. And I think some of that happened when one of the other big events, the spies saw the land and said, no, nothing doing. There's giants over there. They're going to squash us like bugs. We can't go in there. Don't you remember what happened to the Egyptians? Oi! No, we don't remember. And that's the problem. And that's what he's getting at is don't forget and don't allow the drift to happen. That whole crowd wandered together. Some rebelled, some refused to obey, some blasphemed, but others followed wholeheartedly. And of the old crowd, Joshua and Caleb were the ones that received the promises and entered the promised land, right? And there were others as well, I'm sure, that believed, but they didn't make it. What's the danger? Hardness in the heart. Just reading a verse, I, I, I don't want to put it on the screen. I just want you to read it with me. If you look on the page, if you go to 1198, the end of the chapter says, verse 16 and on, who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? doesn't mean every single person was, was against God. No, we know of two that were named specifically that weren't. And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those with who, who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Why were they disobedient? Friends, the answer is in verse 19. So we see they were not able to enter because of what? Doesn't say because of their disobedience. That came out of the heart. They didn't believe God. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. Nah, don't think so. So, the encouragement of the New Testament and of the book of Hebrews is an old phrase that um, you've probably heard from King James Version. It says this, make your calling and election sure. Anybody remember that? Chapter 2 of Peter, uh, no, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing of you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. We can be in the big community, just like the Israelites. There are people in this room. I, I, I'm telling you why I'm sharing this. I'm not scolding. I want everyone under the sound of my voice to meet me on the other side in glory. But don't automatically assume. Maybe hardness has settled in and I'm missing the point because, well, I got a baptism certificate. I'm good. 
I went to confession last week. I'm all clean. I'm ready. I prayed with Pastor Disaster. I, I don't know, you know. That was an old article a while back, Pastor Disaster. Uh, I thought it was... Sorry, I have fun. You know, I prayed this. Father, my father was a pastor. I'm okay. I was raised in the church. I got five children, okay? Just because they were raised in my house doesn't make them all Christians. They have to come to that. God has no grandchildren, remember? We all come to him personally. I've always been one. Nobody's always been one. Hardness persuades us that we don't have to take a second look at it. I'm encouraging you, examine yourself. In fact, that's what Paul said, examine yourselves to make sure you're in the faith. Look at it. Check it out. Listen, brothers and sisters, I've been walking with Jesus for 45 years plus, and I have moments of stunnedness and go, do I really get this? You know, you read something in the scripture, and I go, my, do I really get this? I don't know. Well, I do. I do. Due to a brief power interruption, there is a gap in the recorded audio. So that we may yield when we please. Yeah. My wife cut this out. I I have a number of things I wanted to say. In fact, I'm not going to have time probably. But I was thinking about the grace of God in people. Some of you may know that when I, just before I left on vacation, I went up to Albany to lay hands on a dear brother of 30 years and ask for God to let his spirit depart in peace. And two hours later, he went into the presence of Jesus. We went on our trip, and when we came around, the last stop was Kentucky, where they have moved to, and so I preached his funeral on Saturday. His wife, not unlike Diana's testimony, basically was thanking God that he wasn't trapped in a broken body because he's an outdoorsman, and it would have been awful. And God released him. Can you see the grace of God in the midst of the difficulty? What was Diana's new normal, right, Diana? I loved what you had to say. It was awesome. And it manifests, I'm a disciple. I don't like all of this, but I'm a disciple. I'm going to press in and know this God who will sustain me. Listen, Derek um, Balaam preached for an hour and one minute. So, so Brother Gene, I'm going to take a little liberty here because I feel like this will cap it up. May I? What's a flexitarian? Somebody asked Heloise. I'm learning new stuff every day. I don't know where we get all these categories, but I must be a loopy-doopy whatever. I don't know what I am. Dear Heloise, my girlfriend is becoming a flexitarian. Sounds like a gymnasium thing, you know. What's that? Roger in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Roger, flexitarians eat a predominantly vegetarian diet, but they don't entirely abstain from eating meat. Right, right. I'm speaking to our local here, right? I know, right? Roger, 
There are many reasons why someone chooses to become a vegan, vegetarian, or flexitarian. These include animal welfare, the environmental effects, reducing resource dependence, saving money, health benefits. People like your girlfriend, listen up, friends, who dip their toe into vegetarianism but don't go all in are usually welcomed into the community, but some may object. (laughs) So let me bring it home. Are you ready? I'm using my little taggy. My uh, youth pastor, Tim Strait, gave me a book by I almost said Jackie Chan, but it's Francis Chan. Jackie Chan would write a completely different book. Letters to the Church. I hate annoying books. Huh? Too late. Those of us who live in the United States have a warped view of what it means to be a Christian. Think so? A believer from a house church in Iran, by the way, the fastest growing church in the world, figure that one, explained that people who want to join the church have to sign a written statement agreeing to lose their property, be thrown in jail, or be martyred for their faith. A written signature. We're going to start a new policy here, that new member class. uh, We're going to upgrade. Just kidding. But research shows Iran the fastest growing evangelical population in the world. When a friend of mine came back from visiting a church in Iran, Iraq, I asked him what the biggest difference was between our church and the church in Iraq. He said, what we call sanctification, they call prerequisite. I didn't say that right. Pre-necessary. <laughs> what we call sanctification, they call prerequisite. Now, let me say something. The next passage... When I read it, the name Harmony Baptist came into my mind, and I'm not saying that to be cold, but listen to this. In other words, we act as though surrender is a lifelong process where we slowly decide whether or not we will give up certain things to God. That's not normal. It's sick spiritually. It's hardness of heart. Oh, I'm thinking about giving in. Give in! Those in Iraq have to count the cost, surrendering everything up front, otherwise they can't even join the church. We're flexitarians! Put my toe in. Oh, no, no, no. Today I don't want to. Does that make sense? Lord Jesus, help us. Amen? I I know this. God is stirring among us, and he's calling us up to normal discipleship. He's calling us up to normal discipleship. I don't have time to unpack my renewal of this last week, but, man, I got clobbered by the Spirit. Can I just say something? That's normal. When was the last time it happened to you? Let's pray. Help us, oh God. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you didn't turn your back on your people in the Old Testament. You kept your promises going. You kept your covenant for the sake of the fathers that you loved and the people who were called by your name. Your great name is at stake. 
And Lord, we want your great name to be lifted up. And we want to be part of lifting it up. I believe there's hungry disciples in this room that want to see your name lifted up. In Jesus' name, make it happen. Help us to cooperate with you to make it happen. As we gather to the table, Lord, let us be full of thanks and praise. We've often turned our back on you, but you've never turned your back on us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You might want to encourage people if they want to accept Jesus. We'd meet.